Have you ever been misunderstood? I have been misunderstood many, many times. I've also misunderstood other people. Why is that? Well, we all see the things around us through different filters. Misunderstanding can actually be um, the cause of a severing of a relationship. So, what do we do about it? Well, if we value the relationship, then we must attempt to understand clearly. We must want to gain the logical explanation, the truth, the, the reality of the situation, and set our initial understanding aside. So usually that requires uh, listening, asking questions, seeking truth. So in our relationships with each other, obviously, you know, that happens. But what happens when misunderstanding is what is getting in the way of your relationship with God? I mean, the sad part is there's so many things in the Bible that are misunderstood, misrepresented, um, it's, it's, it's really a tragedy, but I am going to attempt to give uh, kind of two different sides of how things can be misunderstood because honestly, this is such a, this is such a big problem in the church today. And I, and I've mentioned it some in my previous podcast about, you know, <laughs> this rule following religious type thing versus the, you know, way too much um, grace and all that. And I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm bringing some balance to what I am trying to get across about, um, this misunderstanding. So, okay. I, I grew up with, you know, obviously the, you know, you follow the rules, you know, hellfire and brimstone, like this vice script of like, you need to try to please God, but ultimately it's not going to happen. Okay. So it was like constantly trying to do the right thing and in my experience to no avail. It wasn't getting me where I wanted to be socially or, you know, actually there was, you know, scripture abuse and, you know, all kinds of stuff that just made it really hard to, you know, love God like everybody said I was supposed to do. So like I had mentioned before, you know, I got to a place where I understood some things about the love of God and and a relationship with him. And it was so awesome and so beautiful. And so I was kind of on this pendulum swing that was like, you know, awesome revelation for myself. Well, I happened to be, um, in kind of a business relationship with a, a person who was a self claimed atheist. And so I was interested in that. And I wondered why she was proud of that or why, why they wanted to be an an atheist. And so she began to tell me her story a little bit. And, um, it had to do with, you know, cause I was talking about to her, like how incredible it is to, to know God's love. And, and so I would never want to be an atheist because then I would miss out on that. And she was saying, you don't ever talk to me about a God that is loving and forgiving and, and full of grace. Um, because, basically her, her story was that she had a husband who 
that's all he ever preached is about love and forgiveness and full of grace. And he was an abuser. He physically, sexually, mentally, emotionally, verbally abused her um, extremely bad and would tell her, I mean, they went to church all the time and he would tell her that she, you know, God forgives him and she needs to, too. And so she, she gets this idea. I mean, he, and so he would say, you have to forgive me because that's what God does. God does. You need to, you know, you think you're better than God. You can't forgive me. And you know, this kind of thing. And so she's living under this like condemnation and trying to feel like it was the right thing to do to forgive her husband over and over and over. So he'd beat her again. And then he said, you need to forgive me. And then he would beat her again and use the same thing over and over. So he actually used the love and grace message as a weapon to get what he wanted. Well, here's the weird thing. In the situation I grew up in, God's word was also used as a weapon, but for control. I mean, ultimately, both of those two extremes have kind of the same path. Um, Somebody is using the Bible for their own agenda. Uh, to control, to manipulate, to, to be allowed to abuse, you know, to get away with, you know, and this is, this is the highlighter theory. This is kind of thing has nothing to do with God's real word to us. So can we agree that there's some misunderstanding going on here? There's some misunderstanding about God's word and who he is. Um, that's being thrown around. And actually at the time, I mean, as I was a teenager, I mean, I never said I was an atheist. I always knew God was real, but, um, you know, I, I had turned my back on him and the, this lady that I was in contact with, you know, was still in a state of having turned her back on God. And so both problems created the same result both misunderstandings of the Bible created the same result. And that was that we didn't really want anything to do with God. Okay. So this is really, um, personal to me. I think it's a huge, huge, huge problem. Most people that are misinterpreting, misunderstanding the Bible are unaware of it. And I think it's time for some exposure. Uh, so I am going to start with a, f- a couple of things that, might blow your mind a little bit because it's not something talked about that I'm aware of. But I think it's imperative that we go ahead and dive into this. And I have asked God for um, him to reveal truth and, and wisdom and understanding. And for me personally, because of the way that I grew up, this that I'm about to tell you Revelation helped me so much and bring balance to this whole thing. So, why were these people wrong? Why were people wrong to make it about rules and all this kind of stuff? How, how is that misunderstanding the Bible? Well, let's start with this really interesting little definition that I found. Um, you ready for this? 
a lot of people might not like what I'm about to say, but here's the deal. I looked up the original translation of the word obey because the thing I heard the most growing up was obey his commands, obey, obey. You show your love to God by obeying, you know, all this kind of stuff. Okay. So just saying those words, there's some truth in that. Okay. But the way that it was presented was through, it was like for a, for a general to command his troops. But then I was supposed to have a friend in Jesus. So I didn't, there was a disconnect. Okay. There's a misunderstanding. Obey his commands. You show him, you love him by him. Well, slaves obey commands, but they don't necessarily love their master. So this is, was not computing. Okay. This was not adding up. So whether people meant it wrong or I just took it wrong, whatever the filters were there and this is what was happening. Okay. So I looked it up. What was it? What, what, how does the original word obey translate? Well, here's, here it is. There is no word obey. No word obey in the original Hebrew language. Um, that's an English word. It's made up for precisely the connotation of a a general and his troops. It is meant to sound commanding. Commandments. uh, That has a different connotation in the Hebrew language than what we think. Okay, so ready for this? So it's not in the... The word obey is not in the original thing. But what is the word? Well, there is a word there that they used to translate you know, into the word obey. But the word that is there actually means, and you can look this up, okay? It actually means listening with a responsive spirit. Listening and responding. Listening and responding. Okay, you think, you might think that that's not that far off, but understand my context, okay? So I'll get there. So obey actually means to listen and respond. If I replaced all the words that that in our English translated Bible that says obey with listen and respond, I'm telling you, for me, it'd have a whole new meaning, but it gets even better. Okay, commands, the law, the commands that we're supposed to follow to show that we love God. Guess what that word in the Hebrew actually means? Landmarks. Landmarks. The Jews were nomads. And they wandered around a lot and they depended on landmarks, proper landmarks, guiding landmarks, you know, a tree, a well, a, you know, you name it. So the, so the language that they understood was what God was speaking. He's saying, listen to the, to the guidepost, to the landmarks that I show you and respond for your best journey in life. I have the full perspective. I have the full picture. I can see what the best route is for you. And so I'm going to give you these guideposts, these landmarks, these things that help guide your journey in the best way. So this goes back to what I was saying in another podcast. Is that, are we obeying God's laws for God? Well, it makes us feel good as parents when our when our kids go ahead and listen because we know what's best for them and they go ahead and, and heed to what we say instead of having to suffer the consequence. 
Okay, so, so, so that's really nice. It's kind of rewarding as parents when kids will actually spare themselves a problem because they've listened to our guidance. They've responded. Okay. Woo! Lord help us. I don't know if you guys are understanding what I'm saying, but this is understanding why I am supposed to love this God. You know what? You know what? If if he's saying obey my commands, it sounds like I need to straighten up and I need to make sure, you know, everything's tucked in right and my hair is all correct and I you know and I'm and I'm going out there and I got to do what he says and it's work and it's hard and it's not gonna be fun but I have to because otherwise consequences but if I hear listen to my guiding watch for my landmarks respond to them so that your journey is gonna be the best it can be on this earth. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm in a relationship. I feel like someone cares about me. I feel like I want to know the landmarks he wants me to go to so that I have the best journey. That I can stay with him. That I can be spared the consequences of going outside of his guidance. Revelation for some of us, okay? If you did not grow up in the church and understand what the vice scripts of the rules feel like compared to the freedom that Paul talks about to obey, the freedom to listen to his guidance because you know that's what's best for you and he sees your love for him just like we feel we feel it from our kids too that they actually respect us when they go ahead and listen to our guidance instead of oh let's see if mom and dad are right about this or that well you're gonna find out and it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of hurtful but ultimately it's for for your sake that I give the guidance anyway are we getting this is is this Okay, so while this can be, you know, fantastic for someone like me to, to hear, um, because I grew up with the rules and the regulations, what about the, what about the atheist? What about the girl that was beat to a pulp because of grace and love? This revelation, this clarity, this new understanding of what God's word is saying to us applies to her as well. Because Okay, so dude used the Bible against her for his own benefit. What happened to dude? Well, they were long since divorced and he had absolutely no rights to his children whatsoever. So while he was slinging around and misinterpreting and mispresenting Bible verses for his own agenda, he was not following the guidance the laws, the commands, the guide, the landmarks that God was giving him for the best case scenario for his life. He wasn't following that. He was self-indulging, using the Bible to back it up. So his misunderstanding was costing her 
her salvation. And she didn't care anymore because any God that could forgive a man like that, you know, she didn't really want to serve a God that would forgive a man like that. But, but the, it's because she misunderstands how God's forgiveness works. She misunderstands that, okay, so let's say you're the nomad and you're listening and responding to the guide post and you decide, hey, from my perspective, this looks like the better route to take. And you go off and you realize, actually, I just fell down a cliff. Now God's got to pick you up and put you back on the path. But does he do that if you just sit there and be like, see, I knew I knew the better route and you've got your pride intact and you can't accept teaching or correction from anybody and you don't repent and be like the prodigal son and say, you know what? I messed up. I am off the path and I hate this. I got to go back. I don't like the consequences of my scratched up knees and, 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 you know, my swollen head and, and whatever. And now there's dogs down here in this canyon, whatever all those things are. Okay. I'm speaking metaphorically. Hopefully you can track with me on that, but you got to get up and say, I want to get back to the landmarks that God has for me because this, these consequences suck. Being divorced, losing my children, all this kind of stuff. The, I don't like those consequences. All right, so I hope this is making sense. And um, I just want to kind of top it off with this verse to kind of, for me, this just drove home. But like, what a privilege to be in a relationship with a God who wants to guide me. He wants me to have a listening, a humble, responsive heart to his guidance. That's a relationship I want to be in. And then I, I was looking at John 15. And... This is where he says, you know, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. You know, he he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So just in that verse, I mean, he's kind of talking about both ways. You know, you can initially come to God, but if if you don't follow the guidance, then the, the fruit doesn't get produced. And then he he cuts you off, you know, like, like he's, but if you repent, then he would take you back. But, but the point is, is that you have to abide in him. You can't just use his words for your own agenda. You have to abide in him. Okay. Anyways, and it says this, uh, you, you have already, this John 15 verse three, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you remain in me and I will remain in you. Again, this is back to that relationship. I'm reading this in a whole new way. I used to just kind of see this, you know, he cuts them off and throws them into the fire. And I'm like, God's just waiting to cut me off and throw me into the fire because I can't do everything right all the time. That is not what he's saying. Now I'm reading it in a totally different way. What's sticking out to me is remain in me and I will remain in you. That's what he wants. He's saying It can be really bad for you if you don't do this. So please do this. Be with me. We're in a... We're in love. We're in a relationship. (sighs) Okay. It goes on to say, For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit because apart from me 
you can't do anything. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. So he's putting it up to you. He's not saying, (laughs) I can't wait to find a way to throw you away and have you wither, which is how I heard it as a kid because of the way that it was taught. He's saying, don't let that happen. If you don't remain in me, if you and I aren't connecting, if you're not listening and responding to my guidance, okay, then it's bad for you. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. Okay, this is like the bridegroom thing again. This is like a man who's just willing to give life and limb for his woman. Okay? This is a beautiful thing for the bride of Christ. He and he did give life. Okay? That this is like this is the husband we've been waiting for. This is he's there saying if you connect with me, if you remain in me and my truth remains in you, ask anything you want and I'll give it to you because he's all powerful. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to my father. So what's in it for you in the relationship? Well, countless promises, beautiful peace, uh, ask anything you want and it will be granted whatever. What's in it for him in this relationship? His father gets the glory. Then the father gets to give Yeshua the glory. And and the whole thing is God, the true God, creator of all, gets the glory. That's the point. So there's something in it for him if we love him. There's something in it for us if we love him. He already has loved us. That's already taken care of. How we respond to that love is what makes the difference. And I'm not talking about making sure that you do all the rules right. I'm talking about understanding him, understanding his heart towards you so that his guidance makes sense, so that it is welcomed and easy to not hurt people or to swallow your pride or to put yourself in check when you're about to complain about something. That your actual desire is to not complain because you don't want to hurt this, this man, this God who is willing to give you whatever you ask. That's the difference. We're not talking about throwing away, uh, you know, all the rule books and, and, oh, just God forgives us all the time. And we're not talking about having these vice scripts of rules on us or else we aren't showing our love towards God because we're not obeying. (sighs) This might be a stretch for some of you guys, but I really hope, I mean, David talked about being just loving, sitting and talking about and meditating on his law. Well, I used to not be able to figure out what in the world, how could he love his law? All it is is a bunch of rules to tell us how bad we are. But David meditated on it. Why? Because he understood how beneficial it was for him. How it was his lover looking out for him. Okay? I hope you can track with me. I hope uh, I haven't put more misunderstanding. Um, 
I hope you're not misunderstanding me. I hope you aren't misunderstanding what I'm trying to bring about the Bible and God's word for us because we need this freedom. Right now, more than ever, people need to see the real thing with God in Christians, not the religious thing. Because what that produced was for me, I turned my back on God. That that lady I know became an atheist. That's what it did. So let's understand his word. Let's dive into it. Let's welcome the idea of being responsive listeners as being what, what God is looking for for our own sakes think about the the parent-child relationship god is not waiting to throw us under a bus because we missed the mark but instead he wants to be with us on this journey in the same way that parent might take a child on a adventurous camping trip in the mountains it's going to be tough there's going to be lessons to be learned But ultimately, if the child listens to the guidance of the parents, they'll come out with the least amount of injury, the most amount of fun, and and really the connection that they would look for in something like that. That's the way God sees what what he's wanting from us. That's how he wants our relationship with him to be. That's how he's calling us to abide in him and with him. He knows what's best. He can show us cool things to do. And it's for our benefit. We can come out on the other side being learned. Again, metaphorically, if you think about that with God, he's got us. He's there. Let's follow.